0: Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the news of the month that was through hilarious op-eds and silly debate. This particular edition of the Skewer was recorded on December 4th, 2019 at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. Enjoy! yeah yeah you know it when i say the you say skewer hello welcome oh man oh i was real not sure how that would go i also like because it's a joke you can't i can't do that a second time Um, anyway welcome to the skewer live monthly satirical news review Looking back at the dumb news of the month that was through hilarious op-ed and debate, I will be your host for the evening, Tom Harrison. Thank you all for joining us today. Give yourself, come on, a little bit. You, did, you all did a number of un, in, truly unhinged things, left the house, left the house after eight, left the house on a weeknight. I truly don't understand. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's time to open the show. (laughs) I hope you all had a lovely Thanksgiving. Not going to do any jokes about family or talking about politics, because who cares? We heard them. We know. Just want to point out uh, about Thanksgiving that my favorite part is that it is by far the holiday most focused on oozes and goos. (laughs) Now, if you know anything about the basic elements of comedy, you're aware that hearing the word ooze is actually funnier than anything George Carlin ever said. <laughs> That's just the facts. Uh, if, you're not, like, if you haven't studied comedy theory like I have, I'm going to put on a little clinic for you. This is, this is some high-level shit I'm about to give you. This is like the first three levels of Second City for free. <laughs> After you hear this, they're required to put you on a Herald team if you ask. (laughs) So get ready. The following thing is funny. Ooh. Now, imagine you get to do that, but it's an actual word. Ooze. Goo. We're following, right? Cool. So back to Thanksgiving. Gravy? That's an ooze. That's king ooze. (laughs) You ooze that goo on anything dry, it becomes honorary goo. (laughs) Mashed potatoes? Depends on how much butter you put into it, but it has definite potential to become a dummy-thick ooze. (laughs) Creamed corn? Not so popular these days. It's the throwback ooze. (laughs) Cranberry sauce? Now, from a can... That's goo, no question. But if you take the time to make it homemade, you're gonna definitely hand-smoosh that ooze. It's, <laughs> it's the tart ooze with a big time zing. <laughs> Pumpkin pie, that's just a bowl of ooze. Soup, maybe you're gonna have some soup in your first course. That's, folks, that's the wettest ooze. <laughs> And uh, maybe you're probably going to have at some point a dinner roll. Come on, work with me here. You're going to have a dinner roll. I know what you're thinking. Puh. Puh. This is dry. No ooze. Hate this. You fool. So short-sighted. It's the heritage ooze. What did a roll used to be? Dough? What's dough? Do I even need to say it? It's an ooze. (laughs) And what does dough even do? It rises. It becomes double ooze. (laughs) We have to bake it to perform the dryness maneuver to keep it from becoming too powerful. (laughs) Anyway, as you may have gathered from all of that, I do not have a lot of topical shit to say about the actual news of the month. (laughs) I mean like some shit happened, obviously. Like there was impeachment stuff, Trump did some evil stuff. Like this is the standard shit we've been dealing with for ages. I've already made my jokes about this. I've already made my jokes about how I've already made my jokes about this. My jokes about this were about how you can't make jokes about this. But one thing I have seen is a lot of sort of end of the decade reflecting as we close in on 2020. And I understand the impulse people have to do this but I think that it's ultimately misguided and not because of some bullshit contrarian reason like, time is a construct. You can reflect whenever. <laughs> Decades are... F- n- no. I mean because, quite simply, it's not the end of the decade. It's 2016. F- folks... We're stuck in a big-time Groundhog Day. (laughs) Every day we have to hear the same fucking things over and over. We have to hear, oh, hmm, will Trump pay for his crimes or suddenly become a good boy? (laughs) Impossible to tell. Will the Democrats oppose him or just kind of sit there? Impossible to tell. Who's worse, actual fascists or people who are too mean to fascists? (laughs) Impossible to tell, wink, wink. What do Trump voters and rural diners think of him now? Impossible to tell, but we're sure gonna find out. (laughs) Climate change, that's bad. What are we gonna do about it? I know, paint a mural of Greta Thunberg. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, literally today... I saw people arguing about whether or not Bernie took too long to endorse Hillary. It's 2016. It's a horrible loop, and nothing ever changes. It's the same thing repeating, and nothing has consequences except if we don't go to work, that part stays, actually. And then we get fired and can't pay rent. But on a more serious note, this might have been the last decade where there was enough food. Oh. To be clear, like, I, I know I'm sort of being a little facetious, enough food in the United States. Enough food in the prosperous areas of the United States. Like, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'd love to be a doomsaying catastrophist who let fear get the better of him. But when you're home thanksgiving a holiday about feasting and abundance to the point of gluttony it's hard to shake off the bleak weight of the world to come the feeling of seeing new parents new grandparents the joy of new life but knowing that the world that awaits those children won't be the one they deserve and knowing that none of this can be spoken like none of it can be shared to do so is essentially to do violence on the people you love who just wanna feel joy and companionship while they still can, and they're right to want it. What is life for if not to savor the joys you're lucky enough to experience? But at the same time, it feels perverse to deny what's so obviously real, so you just stew silently in this nauseating feeling with a smile on your face, wondering who else is feeling this too? Who else is holding back the words we'd never say, wondering, Is it only you feeling like somehow you're the one holding the knife to the throat of the world as you pile your plate high knowing that this is fleeting more fleeting than you can even comprehend like how can I justify being here and doing this? Why aren't I doing more? But what can you do? It's not like you can change anything with your small human hands. The hands on the wheel are the hands of capital, and we can scream and scream at them, but their movements are as unstoppable as a glacier. Is it even worth poisoning these few comfortable days with these feelings? Shouldn't I just squeeze every drop out of the time we have? Like, there's a lot to be scared of, but just as an example, folks, as bad as it is, chocolate and coffee are still cheap and available at every store. (laughs) It's not guaranteed that'll be true in 2030. So maybe the best thing to do is to do as I do and just consume a fuck-ton of both. (laughs) If someone calls you out on it, you can say you're performing a religious ceremony in remembrance of Earth's past. (laughs) Regardless of how they take it, at least they'll leave you alone. So I didn't know how to end this piece, Uh, and all that that I just said came from... So Erica said that I should connect the enough food bit to Thanksgiving and then I did uh, so if you got bummed out at this, at this comedy show then blame well still blame me uh, thank you we got a lovely show oh oh the skewer just—it just kicks ass. We have four incredible writers who are going to read op-eds to you, and then two—I inc- uh, mean, they're also incredible writers who are going to do a fun debate for you. But before we do that, gosh, we have to call up the the game show host who hates his own game more than any in the whole world, Kevin Johnson, for the fake news quiz.
1: Of course, I hate this curse you've bestowed upon me, Tom. Um, I need a volunteer. Wait, I should tell you what it is. Yeah. This mic sounds weird, though. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. He tells me it's fine. Um, so it's like two truths and a lie, but with headlines. That's all it is. I explained it. It's done. Now, who volunteers? What do they get? Already, he 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 raises his hand. I accept you.
2: What's, what's your name? Third time returning non-champion, Frank Diekman.
1: Does it say all of that on, like, your driver's license? It's like, third time returning? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's
2: my full legal okay. name. Okay.
1: All right, and, and what is today?
2: It is my birthday.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did it, yeah. That was not rehearsed at all. Oh god damn it. This <laughs> uh,
2: is part was rehearsed. Yeah. Ooh,
1: yeah. Ooze. Yeah. I said it. Alright. Your first set of the three stories. Instagrammers are sunning their buttholes. <laughs> Story two: Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is the senior is the single leading source of anti-vax ads on Facebook. Mm, how the mighty have fallen. And story three: As Delhi chokes on smog, India's health minister advises citizens to hold their noses.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say number two because I think the leading. Uh leading source of uh, anti-vaccination propaganda was the woman who was sitting bes- behind me on the bus oh. lead- coming here tonight <laughs> I'm sorry, that isn't correct damn it, I know people are sunning their buttholes they are doing that
1: they are doing that Josh Brolin who, pl- uh, who portrayed Thanos did that and he said after his attempt, my pucker hole is crazy burned <laughs> Uh, I no, don't know who the, the fuck. I don't know who the fuck thought sun. of this stupid shit, but no fuck you nonetheless. Down there. Seriously, <laughs> hashtag Black Hole Sun. hashtag carrot. Care. <laughs> uh, the 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 dude in Delhi, the, the health the health minister, he did not tell him to hold their noses. He told them to just eat carrots, and it would go away.
3: What the fuck?
1: That's how smog works, motherfucker. <laughs> eat your carrots and shut the fuck up. All right, your second set of stories. Okay. A murderer dies and is resuscitated. Then he says he's completed his life sentence.
2: Uh, is that interesting it? defense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wonder if that works. I should, I should follow up on that. <laughs> Story two. Protesting for-profit prisons, a group plans to open a pop-up restaurant serving rationed food that like, incarcerated people would eat. I don't know who's going to go to these restaurants, but I'm telling you that's possibly a thing. <laughs> okay. Unless I made it up. Then it's not a thing. (laughs) Story three. For some Illinois prisoners, authorities say one eye, one good eye is enough. So, like, in Illinois, this state, (laughs) there's prisoners, right? And, like, if you got, like, one good eye, they're like, oh, that's enough. We don't need to, like, if you have, like, one eye that's fucked up out of your two... They're like, that's enough. We're not gonna do like surgery or anything on your second eye. Fuck you. Unless I made that up also.
2: Actually, I actually think I saw a news story about that. Um, but did you read that news story? Because like that's
1: that's like my sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> and, people, and then people there are just like, oh yeah, I saw that headline.
2: And then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I twist the knife a little bit. Now, you know what I mean? No, I think the the prison uh, contraband pop-up store is actually happening in Wicker Park. Oh so you, you believe that one's real? Wait, I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, spying the it's fake not, one. It's not, a pr- it's not a prison protest. It's like some sort of stupid themed pop-up thing that's happening in Wicker Park. Well, that is definitely happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I, I, I guess you're calling out that story to say it is false. Yeah. And that is correct. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yes. So what's, what's actually happening is that Air Asia is opening up a restaurant to serve airplane food. Oh, and they're going to do that like globally, just like because I guess I <laughs> don't know what the fuck they're serving out there, but whatever. <laughs> okay, third set of stories. N- this is this is going to be like a tongue twister. New Idris Elba wasp species could spike it could spike insect births due to quote immaculate sperm. <laughs> 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 New, Id- you know, Idris Elbra? Idris oh, yeah. Elba? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an Idris Elba wasp species. And I guess it's like, it's so fuckwittable that it's got that immaculate sperm. And it's just going to, like, cause a lot more wasps. I guess this is a new species we found. It's okay. We'll Kay. just do the next episode. Don't worry about it. I just know
2: he said genocide schmetticide in his last movie, so... Was that that was Hobbs? The Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. Oh, I hear that's a badass movie. I need to see well, that. Yeah. I don't like. I don't
1: know if it's like coherent enough that I need to like watch the rest of them. But Tom is really fucking into them.
0: Yeah, they, you don't need to watch the rest. Of them. <laughs> all right. All right. They don't. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay.
1: Story two: Florida man's dog puts car in reverse and drives in circles around a cul-de-sac for hours. That's,
3: Totally plausible.
1: It's plausible. (laughs) I put Florida in front of anything and it's like it's plausible, (laughs) motherfucker. Story three. Infamous mayonnaise man strikes again. (laughs) That's all you get from that one. Um You got the wasps, you got the dog driving, or you got the um, mayonnaise man. Wait, is it dog?
2: It's a dog in the second one. (laughs) He just put the car in reverse, it was just driving in circles. That's tricky, because I feel like it's multiple infamous mayonnaise men. <laughs> I mean, you got Mike Pence, you Ooh. got... <laughs> I'll accept that, I'll accept that. Um, there was a dog drive. I don't know if there was
3: a dog drive.
2: <laughs> that, That's like, citation needed. I'm going to say the Idris Elba story, because that's a little too specific. It is a little too specific. <laughs> uh, so these Idris elbow wasps, uh,
1: what they could do is protect global broccoli crops. Uh, I don't know fuck why. Fuck yeah. Uh,
3: the,
1: Id- the the mayonnaise man is like really gross. He's like in Japan and he like I guess has a mouthful of mayonnaise and like spits it onto like Blah. women in like like Blah. their schoolgirl outfits because he wants to dirty them like dirty their outfits on his like way to work so it's a commute thing
2: Look, that's, yeah Do that's fucked up <laughs> is?
1: it is well thank you and happy birthday uh, thank you you're gonna you're gonna win on the fourth time the fourth yeah. time is a charm yeah. so thank you all right free in Delve. what yeah. anyway we'll we'll edit it in post it's cool anyway Welcome back to the stage, your host for the evening,
0: Tom Harrison. One more time for Kevin for hosting that delightful game. Oh, we love it so much. Can't get enough of the game. Well, you you can't get enough. We we get the appropriate amount. Uh, Our first op-ed writer for the evening as a writer, computer programmer and poet in Chicago She is the co-producer of this very show and is very charming and good Please welcome Erica Treispach
4: Thank you Tom Tom, that whole Thanksgiving sequence fucking rocked I was sitting over there thinking about how I was, con- I was congratulating myself, number one <laughs> for prompting you to do it, and then imagine my horror as you proceeded to throw me under the bus with it. I used to headline at the Green Mill Poetry Slam before going there meant to condone racism, but I used to headline there, your shit was better than 99% of what happens there. I believe it. I'm saying you murdered me in my own style, Tom. This is my op-ed. I am very, very smart. <laughs> But this impeachment process makes me feel very, very dumb. I can't really follow all the players or what's happening, probably because my primary news source is Twitter. And I have turned my back on my preferred sources of information, Wikipedia and 538.com. Don't groan. I assumed you would groan. I do a surface scan of 538.com every single day to see what the president's aggregated approval rating is. I check it the way that I used to check the weather or my horoscope, asking the internet to tell me whether or not I'm going to get hurt. And ignoring that the people I'm asking have no idea, they're just rolling the dice. Nate Silver makes a lot more sense when you think of him as astrology. Just for funsies not really real not really real I was in high school during the Clinton impeachment that impeachment process made me feel very very smart I watched Henry Hyde's melted candle wax face Trent Lott Newt Gingrich all the pastiest adulterers flailing and spittling And my memory, up until yesterday, was that impeachment in the House succeeded, but that by the time the Articles wended their way to the Senate, the momentum was broken and slick-willy avoided conviction by a mile. The vote on the first article, perjury, which he definitely did, was 55 not guilty, 45 guilty. The vote on the second article, obstruction of justice, which he also definitely did, was 50 to 50. And then I wrote a whole bit for this piece about how, well, that must've meant that Al Gore cast the tie-breaking vote because he was the president of the Senate as vice president. And then I wrote some fan fiction about (laughs) what if Al Gore convicted Bill Clinton and then Al Gore went on to win the 2000 election. But I'm I'm not actually very, very smart. One year ago, a tiny man was cut out of my body, and subsequently, my brain has been slowly melting into a puddle of fondue. Sometimes, my husband comes home and asks me very simple questions like, what did you do today? And I just giggle at him. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Being dumb is a lot like being high all the time. I am in a reverse Flowers for Algernon situation. (laughs) And I hope I never get smart again. (laughs) Anyway, impeachment is a two-thirds majority vote in the Senate. Bill Clinton was safe by a mile. My memory was correct. First thought, best thought. 67 senators to convict. It's never been done. And today, I think maybe it can't ever be done. My husband, the son of a communist regime, believes that an impeachment conviction can be done. He's Romanian, For context, in 1989, everyone in Romania believed that Romania's dictator Ceausescu would be in power until he died. If he died, they weren't sure he would die. And that's a hat tip to Tom Harrison's (laughs) immortal Trump theory. Instead, Ceausescu summarily executed thousands of protesters in Timisoara. And two weeks later, Ceausescu was himself arrested and executed on Romanian public television. This month, is the 30th anniversary of the revolution. And to commemorate it, we at my house, not we Americans, we, my house, like many Romanians, have put up a Romanian flag with a big hole cut in the middle. When Vlad and I first started dating, he had that same flag hanging on his bedroom wall, bedroom And he asked me, do you know why there's a hole in it? And I said, to put your dick through? <laughs> I didn't actually say that. <laughs> Vlad thought it would be really funny if I told you that I said that. <laughs> what I actually said was, so you can wear it like a poncho, which was a fake guess. Then I said my real guess, which was, that's where there used to be a communist sigil, which is correct. Vlad said, tonight, he said, so it can happen. The French Revolution happened, Caesar got stabbed, enough senators got together, right? It can happen. <laughs> And I said, but the Romans only needed a simple majority. <laughs> Is it possible, then, to unseat a tyrant without a lot of death? Because that's the point of the U.S. Constitution. A schema for removing powerful people from power without mass murderer. And as much as I'm a dumb and angry bitch, we've established that I'm dumb. I'm very angry, and I'm certainly a bitch, but only dangerous when provoked. I don't like murder. I especially don't like mass murder, although I do wish that the old and bitter people who vote Republican and believe only God can change the climate would die a little quicker. (laughs) Vlad pointed out that the late 1980, no, sorry, the 1989 revolutions in East Germany and in Czechoslovakia were nonviolent. So how did those happen? I asked him. He said, um, well, there were riots in the streets and the protesters started tearing down the wall and the police let them and then there was no wall. This is the analysis of someone who lived through it behind the Iron Curtain, (laughs) but we looked it up and the analysis from Wikipedia and from the media astrologers of the time is not much more insightful. The streets were filled with angry people, the cops attacked some of them, then there were more angry people and the cops backed down and then the maniacs in power backed down. I just assumed there was a specific strategic error by Gorbachev or Erich Honecker or Václav Havel, the equivalent of Napoleon invading Russia in winter. You never invade the Russia in winter. Like, I just assumed. <laughs> but it was simple. The people filled the streets. Here's another important fact. All of these senators are cowards. And as much as it seems like Mitch McConnell has the other 52 rebutlicans <laughs> in <life>. Sorry. <laughs> You groan for that one. It's okay. 538 gets a pass, but Rebutlickens is mm, beyond the pale. They are 52 people who will sell him out in a heartbeat if it means saving their own skin. McConnell is himself a coward who could easily sell Trump out himself. Isn't that a fun little idea? Isn't that a fun little fan fiction we could have? Inventing fan fiction and intrigue? This is the part of me that enjoys news about the Kardashians even though it's bad for me. That's how confusing and fucked up this impeachment case is. Somehow the Kardashians are involved... Oh, you don't know? Last month, we found out from David Holmes' testimony that the Kardashians were part of the conversation in that loud restaurant phone call in Kiev on July 26th, the one where Trump wasn't on speakerphone, but he talks so loudly that Sondland had to hold the phone away from his ear to protect his hearing, and part of the conversation was about trying to get ASAP Rocky out of prison as a special favor to the Kardashians. Is our current impeachment process A good thing, even if, procedurally speaking, it's obviously probably doomed to fail. Yeah, we gotta take our Constitution out for a spin. We cannot simply concede to the darkness. But I don't think that procedural impeachment alone can save us. I think on the day the Senate votes on conviction, the streets surrounding Capitol Hill need to be filled, like they were at the Women's March. On the periphery, angry white women in pink hats, five deep, looking like every crooked cop's mom, keeping the center safe. (laughs) And maybe those cowards in the Senate will vote with their weak stomachs. And maybe we don't need a Timmy and maybe we can have the soft transfer of power, the Velvet Revolution. Thank you.
0: There we go. Thank you once again to Erica Dreisbach. Give it up, she's delightful. Moving right along, our second op-ed reader is Devin Whitlock. Oh, Devin, yeah, give, give it, give it, give it a little bit. <laughs> Devin doesn't celebrate the holidays much. He's estranged from his family, and his in-laws live almost 9,000 miles away, and he highly recommends both sets of circumstances. <laughs> his work has appeared on Geeks Out, Mel Magazine, and Comicosity. He helps run the Chicago Public Library's comic books club, comics... Comic Books Club, and we'll be speaking next month at the show. Am I man enough at Volumes Book Cafe? Please welcome Devon Whitlock.
5: Thanks, Tom. Um. Happy holidays, everybody. And by that, I mean in no particular order. Thanksgiving, Veterans Day, All Saints Day, Three Kings Day, Black Friday, the Day of the Dead, Guy Fawkes Day, Evolution Day, the End of Daylight Saving Time, Hanukkah, Boxing Day, My Friend Tommy's Birthday, Kwanzaa, the Transgender Day of Remembrance, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. Happy Holidays sure is a time saver. (laughs) Some of these are celebrated with more fanfare than others, or by more people than others, and the mileage varies on the devotion of the religious holidays. But not singling out that last one is seen by a small but loud group as a terrible insult and tantamount to mockery and degradation of their beliefs. The official beginning of the season might as well be when Starbucks rolls out their holiday cups and Fox News anchors show up to lose their minds about how the actual word Christmas is absent. Starbucks could release a special cup with Jesus is King in bright gold all capital letters on it, and some racist asshole would go on TV to whine, nah, it doesn't say
3: Christmas.
5: (laughs) On November 11th, Wisconsin put up its holiday tree, and former governor Scott Walker decided to pounce. You may not remember Walker from a failed presidential campaign in 2015. (laughs) He started it a few months after refusing to tell a crowd in England whether he believed in evolution and lost his re-election as governor in 2018 to a science teacher. (laughs) That gets me every time. Anyway, he fired shots in the war on Christmas with a picture of his own tree, inexplicably decorated in early November, (laughs) and tweeting, This is a Christmas tree, not a holiday tree! Thankfully, people explained that, yeah, in Scott Walker's living room, it is a Christmas tree. But when you put it in a government building, it becomes a holiday tree because of the First Amendment. On November 18th, Christmas came early to the Christian persecution narrative when Chick-fil-A announced that it wouldn't be donating to the Salvation Army or the Fellowship of Christian Athletes anymore. Mike Huckabee, two-time failed presidential candidate... (laughs) who created a celebrate Chick-fil-A holiday the year after the company had donated to a conversion therapy organization, got to scream and rant and rave about how they were giving in to leftist bullies. I can't help but think he was as excited as he was dismayed at the news. Here was proof, as far as he was concerned, that Christians are a persecuted minority and religious liberty was under attack. Unfortunately, the bad takes did not end with Mike Huckabee. Writing for CNN, lesbian activist Alison Hope described this as nothing short of cancel culture. She wrote, I know firsthand that protests work to get attention when nothing else does, and then you shove your hand in the slightly open door that's been locked for years, and you shake the slimy hand on the other side, because then they listen when you talk, because then you can build influence, and you can, with time, Help turn one small win into many more victories and create meaningful and long-lasting change. She seems to have forgotten that the only reason she's able to approach the door is because trans women of color threw bricks at cops at Stonewall. Winning hearts and minds is a luxury when you're not fighting for your right to exist. The Transgender Day of Remembrance I mentioned earlier was November 20th. On that date, Republican lawmakers in South Carolina pre-filed the Youth Gender Reassignment Prevention Act, essentially making gender affirmation illegal. At least 26 trans or gender non-conforming people were murdered last year, most of them women of color. Ms. Hope finished by writing that progress shouldn't come at the cost of our civility, but civility is being used as a cudgel to tell marginalized people to shut up. All of the supposed victims of cancel culture are still rich and or famous and or sitting on the supreme court. <laughs> For an activist who supposedly has LGBT interests in mind to invoke cancel culture as applying to a corporation worth 6.6 billion dollars is irresponsible. It is a conservative boogeyman, not unlike the war on Christmas. Chick-fil-A Now will be giving to Covenant House International, which serves homeless youth and has an LGBTQ-affirming policy. Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, was upset by this because in his worldview, homelessness is something gay people deserve. The myth of the War on Christmas has anti-Semitic origins about secular Jews taking over the world. It was advanced by Henry Ford and was part of Donald Trump's bigoted presidential campaign. It has never been illegal to say the words, Merry Christmas. (sighs) And now, our dumb racist president has decided that there's a war on Thanksgiving. (laughs) I was almost finished with a draft of this piece when that story broke, and was so pissed because I knew I'd have to address it. We all know it's bullshit, meant to rile up his base and distract from his impeachment. If you didn't know that and found yourself at the skewer, welcome! Please stay! As nice as it would be to make Thanksgiving about something other than revisionist history surrounding Native American genocide, no one is calling for that! That's the reason fewer people are celebrating Columbus Day. I was an evangelical Christian a long time ago and first learned of Chick-fil-A when it served as product placement in a Kirk Cameron vehicle, which I will not call a film. Fireproof. (laughs) Because to call it a film would be an insult to the art of cinema greater than the Marvel Universe. If I had more money back then, I probably would would have been in charge of a Chick-fil-A franchise. My Christmas traditions included a birthday cake for the baby Jesus and complaining about how Christianity was underrepresented, even though it totally wasn't. (laughs) I said truly horrible things to gay people. Years after leaving this belief system and all churches behind, I came out to my cousin, and she said she didn't understand, didn't agree, but still loved me. That's not love, Love is affirming and kind and supportive. It doesn't tell someone they're going to hell for something they can't control. But arguing about that didn't change my mind. I did not listen to what anyone had to say, especially if it contradicted my religious views. And when I realized I was gay, I was burdened with shame and self-hatred for many years. I know that hearing about the agonizing process that brought me to self-acceptance will make no difference to people who believe their bigotry is ordained by God. My like Huckabee would probably tell me I need to pray harder. I'm glad the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the Salvation Army have less money now. But no one's mind was changed, and I don't think anyone's mind will change. The only reason for this new corporate policy was because the old one finally started to hurt their bottom line. The first Chick-fil-A to open in England only lasted eight days before having to close amid protests. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I will compromise with conservatives when they agree to stop murdering my friends. Until then, I'm content to be the radical extremist that allows Mike Huckabee and Allison Hope to agree on something. Thank you.
0: Give it up one more time for Devin Whitlock. Devin! Devin, I really... Appreciate that you brought up the, the, like, the one cogent fact about cancel culture that people don't talk about enough, which is that literally no one has ever been canceled. <laughs> it, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> All right, our next op-ed reader is a cartoonist with a day job helping move cardboard boxes around. He draws a monthly comic book you can subscribe to through Patreon. Please welcome another Tom, Tom McHenry.
6: Hello. Believe it or not, this piece used to be about Mayor Bloomberg. (laughs) In Aberdeen, South Dakota, population 28,000-ish, there's a newspaper called the Aberdeen News. And this paper is so delightfully local that when I was researching this piece, the top news story was a bullet-pointed list called Ways to Make the Holidays Better. (laughs) One example way was Engage a Young Adult in a Conversation About Kindness. (laughs) So back on November 12th, the Aberdeen News ran a story by Catherine Grandstrand with the headline Common Read Hits 10 Years at Northern. Northern refers to Northern State University, also in Aberdeen, a university with around 3,600 students in its entire undergraduate program. The story is about a university program called Common Read, where as a welcome-to-campus kind of icebreaker, every incoming freshman is assigned the same book to read. I'm pretty sure even my college did something like this, but I didn't do it because (laughs) I didn't join things because society. (laughs) The common read has existed for a decade now, and this is one of those essentially feel-good, basically a press release, boilerplate pieces of news journalism that you churn on all the time if your beat includes a university. When I was a reporter, I wrote probably 100 stories like this. You get a press release from the university's public relations department, and you find a couple of people to say nice things about the thing that the people in the press release said was nice. It's about as rote as pasting in the weather graphics. And the best thing that can happen to this journalism is if you happen to catch someone who's a bit of a kooky character (laughs) or who has a punchy quote. Seriously, one time I covered the reorganization of courses in a specific university department. And in an interview, one of the key faculty members told me that he wanted to give me some additional context for the changes. And I said, sure. And he said, off the record. And I said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then he told me about how he had inadvertently helped his college roommate overdose when they were both addicts. And the guy died in his arms. <laughs> to this day, I still have no idea how that was supposed to help me give context on interdepartment restructuring. <laughs> But I fucking remember that guy weeping as he told me one of the most interesting stories I've ever heard and then reminded me I couldn't print any of it. <laughs> so, when Catherine Grandstrand from the Aberdeen News was interviewing people about the Common Read program and trying to make all these committee proceeding stuff sound at all interesting. And former committee member Brooke Nelson said something with a little sass, it had to go in. In the eighth paragraph, the story introduces Nelson as a person who was on the committee when she was still a student, and she had pushed hard for the common read to avoid a popular young adult novel that they were considering by novelist Sarah Dessen. Here's the quote. She's fine for teen girls, the 2017 Northern Graduate said, but definitely not up to the level of the common read. So I became involved simply so I could stop them from ever choosing Sarah Dessen. If you don't know, Sarah Dessen has written 14 best-selling young adult novels since 1996. In 2003, two of them were turned into one Mandy Moore movie. (laughs) Earlier this year, three more were picked up to be turned into movies by Netflix. In a New York Times book review from 2009, she is referred to as a bestseller machine. She's one of the most successful young adult writers in the country, and young adult is one of the most successful genres in publishing in our unending hell decade. So on November 12th, a mostly unremarkable story about the logistics of creating and maintaining a small university's freshman book club (laughs) runs. And Sarah Dessen sees it. Dessen takes a screenshot of the quote from Brooke Nelson and tweets it to her quarter million followers with the text, Authors are real people. I'm having a really hard time right now, and this is just mean and cruel. I hope it made you feel good. A couple of things. Dessen, for her part, covers up Nelson's name with on the screenshot like a decent citizen of online with a sizable army of overly defensive fans. Her point isn't even wrong. Authors are real people, and it fucking sucks to get any of your hardline, um, I hated it, style criticism about your work. So this is exactly the sort of screenshot that Sarah Dessen should probably have instead saved for a group DM with her most fun, <laughs> mean friends, for them to just dunk it to Adams. <laughs> but instead, Dessen's tweet goes out And novelist Siobhan Vivian then replies to Destin, Fuck that fucking bitch. (laughs) Then fellow young adult author Danielle Clayton says, Uh, fuck that raggedy ass fucking bitch. Just really getting into the energy of like a good riff session. (laughs) Then best-selling author Roxanne Gay gets in there to declare that it's clear to her that this Nelson's got an inflated view of her own taste. Of course, as each of these supportive and ones happen, fans of each writer see and easily find the original article along with Brooke Nelson's name and personally identifying information. Everything then morphs from a mutual dunk session of writing peers and fans who are really trying to win Dessen's best friendship into a rallying cry to defend the young adult genre from the forces that would destroy it. (laughs) Author Jody Pico then goes on a multi-tweet rant about how Brooke Nelson is an agent of a sinister plot to make the stories of young women matter less. A plot which, by the way, is absolutely a thing, right? (laughs) Culturally in America, we love the money of young women, but we also despise them for being unserious and uninterested in shit from 30 years ago. (laughs) This sinister plot is as much a part of America as jazz or insulin rationing. (laughs) Pico's dodgy conclusion, however, is that we need to fight that plot, the patriarchy, by buying more of Dessen's books. I'd love to stop here and really go to town on how late capitalism's commodification of even acts and symbols of rebellion against capitalism turns every social issue into a vote with your dollars election that never ends, and how we're mistaking the purchased material markers, young adult novels, Hamilton tickets, (laughs) Captain Marvel on Blu-ray DVD combo pack for actual in the streets praxis or actual in the brain theory. I could really dig in on how this mindset helps us to continue to perpetuate the pacifying idea that a feminism, an LGBTQ plus allyship, a Marxism, a prison abolitionism, any of these ideologies ever has a finished state, and that that finished state is a tangible product that can be purchased once and owned forever, deflecting the consumer from criticism, further growth, and solidifying one's identity as an ally, a non-racist, a feminist. I could really tear into how the voting with your dollars thing is pouring your money into a corporation a machine whose purposes are ultimately at odds with yours as it will seek to only further enrich that same patriarchy bound as it is to that very same capitalism I could even go into my own hypocrisies on this issue. My dog-eared copy of Marx's Capital is not the same as if I actually got out of my apartment and went to a fucking work group meeting every once in a while. But we don't have the time for any of that right now. Because at this point, best-selling author of Good and Bad Jennifer Weiner gets involved, both on Twitter and in the comments section of the original Aberdeen news piece. Weiner's take starts in a real and understandable place. When we tell teenage girls that their stories matter less or not at all, there are real-world consequences. Absolutely. Much of the history of young adult fiction is a history of taking the real experiences of young women specifically and writing to them about their actual lives as opposed to the lives our society expects to see them perform. Simply recalling in words the problematic and confused feelings of adolescence helps reach out and create a shared community. Part of the reason a program like Common Read would pick a young adult novel for college students to read is that college isn't all that far off from young adulthood. Part of the reason why the genre continues to grow and grow even as other literary markets collapse is the universality of misery that is adolescence and the way that we can all see ourselves reflected in its mess even decades later. But the break begins when Weiner hashtags this, hashtag me too. It's, this too, is a little bit of a stretch outside the original context, which, again, is a single college student making a snide remark in a space that is so small as to be easily mistaken as almost private. (laughs) But I can see the connection, sort of. Telling young women that their stories matter less, trains women for a lifetime of doubting their own experiences, which leads to cultures of silence surrounding powerful predators. But the real stretch, was when she linked it all to an article about the struggles of victims of convicted serial child molester and former USA Gymnastics Team Dr. Larry Nasser. Now a college student from South Dakota saying, this writer's not really appropriate, is implied to be on the level of real criminals actively harming real women. The perceived reputation harm of a flippant negative review is on the level, it is implied, of actual physical harm by adult men in actual positions of power, not in three lines of a small-town newspaper. (laughs) Now, around this point, young adult novelist Angie Thomas, whose first novel, The Hate You Give, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, was recently adapted into a movie and was itself recently selected for the common read just last year where Thomas herself came to this same campus to speak about her book. She demands that Northern State University never consider any of her future books for the program again because of this situation. Thomas has enough clout at this point that the university itself steps in and apologizes to Sarah Dessen for the comments of their alumna. Which is of course that it causes its own swirl of bad feelings and angry tweets about the free speech of a university being stifled by the pressure to kowtow to a big young adult and <laughs> apologize on behalf <laughs> and apologize on behalf of a student who doesn't even go there anymore about a thing she said years later. Meanwhile, Nelson has been found by the fans of all these authors who see the harm to their favorite writers as a kind of harm onto themselves. She gets bullied and death-threaded off of all social media platforms because people love young adult fiction and they fucking hate strangers who disagree with them. (laughs) This sparks real press coverage, including the Washington Post. And at that point, every writer above apologized. Nearly every tweet about all of this happening has been deleted as everyone realized how out of control everything quickly got. One shared, Whoops, I'm learning and I promise to do better in the future. (laughs) It's an online subculture dust-up, the kind that happens every day, even in whatever subcultures you love. We file it away as drama, and it has, for me, as it has for lots of you, a gaper's delay on the outbound Kennedy-style car crash fascination. (laughs) That same capitalism that I mentioned earlier with the commodifying and the pacifying of your dissidents, one part of that is involved in getting you, your identity, tangled up with your consumption. We, each of us, have a hole in the middle of us that nothing will ever fill. An ache of stupid animal suffering that we carry around as we grow more and more alienated from the people we love and the body that we inhabit. We try to paper this maw over with stuff, and after a while, those things that I'm stacking up in my life to shut out the suffering start to become easily mistakable to me as me. Who am I? I'm these following interest keywords, and if you dislike any of these interest keywords, you dislike me. In fact, you're basically attacking me. In fact, you're basically abusing me. In fact, you're basically abusing the children who could someday grow up to have that same interest keyword as me. So in conclusion, here's a conversation about kindness for young adults. You have a shitty and confused self in a nest of garbage that's unrelated to the self. Be kinder to the self and not the garbage. Thank you.
0: One more time for Tom McHenry. Come on. Excellent. If any of y'all aren't on Twitter and don't understand the appeal, imagine... So that was awesome, right? I saw that all happening live. And as he was telling the story, I was just like, what next? our final op-ed writer the Skewer's unofficial election correspondent is Josh Watkins. Actually, I'm Chris... You're the official elections correspondent. It's happened. Josh Josh is unfortunately a fiction writer. You can find him at the bookstore he works at. You know the one. and Or in the north side, ignoring calls from debt management firms. Make that music cue happen. All right.
3: Uh uh-uh.
7: uh Uh huh. Mm-hmm. No. We're not gonna laugh at the dance, all right? Mm. Nah, buddy. We're having fun, okay? But we're we're not laughing at each other, at me, okay? We're gonna have fun, and it's unwoke to laugh at the dance, and I'm gonna tell you why. All right. When Mayor Pete Buttigieg and his people sat down to design a dance, they kept in mind the needs of the disabled. Not so much when they designed a health care plan. But you can't please everybody. Lincoln said that. Look him up. All right. That's the first rule. Don't laugh at the dance. Second rule, stop calling him Mayo Pete. Okay? Racist. That's racist. Pete Buttigieg is about bringing this country together. All right? And using the M slur, Mayo, okay? To point out his gooey, miracle whip complexion will not be tolerated. Okay, the door to outside is somewhere in the other room. Next page. Yes, Pete happens to be white. He happens to be Google alert for BMW recall white, all right? Mayor Pete happens to be, shall we move this gathering to the drawing room? White. What? Drawing room, okay? That's where you draw things. Fuck. Stop saying he looks like Nathan for you. Stop saying he looks like a stock photo of a youth pastor. Stop saying he looks like the manager at Chicken Filet who fires you for saying no problem instead of my pleasure. All right? Cut it out. Cut that crap out. You know what he looks like? A president. Gay president. Mary Pete. I'm here to spread the good news, all right? I wasn't always in the Pete Patrol. There's a lot of winners in the 2020 race. And I've had the last, like, uh, what, six years to pick my favorite. Okay? You take, for example, Beto O'Rourke. I used to love Beto, all right? Ooh, just fucking picturing him just fucking stroking my girlfriend's face with the back of his hand. Hmm, you know? Speaking a little Espanol in her ear. You know what I'm talking about. But last month, he had to kick-flip McTwist back to Texas, all right? because he used too many spicy words, yeah? He was on the debate stage, like, hell yes, we're taking your friggin' guns. Pop your mom's titty up out your mouth, Anderson Coopy, all right, hand over that damn Assault Rifle 15. Now, here's a tax rebate dildo. Is that a cuss? I don't know what that is. Anyway, that's my Beto. I'm workshopping it. Kamala Harris, I was in the K-Hive, like you. Yeah, her record's kind of busted, but she's a prosecutor, right? Which means that on her first day in office, she can take, legally put Donnie Trump in the Magneto prison from X-Men. So stop talking trash about Kamala. That's a blue life, okay? Rest in peace, baby girl. I was into Tulsi Gabbard, like you. I was into Tulsi Gabbard, the candidate with the highest presence on wikifeet.com. Or should I say, wikifeet.ru, you You know what I'm talking about? You guys know, because she's a spy or something. I even had a phase with each of those rich guys whose names you can't remember, who all look kind of jellied. I loved them all. I've liked every candidate, except for one. We'll get to him later. But when Pete Buttigieg started rising, I really rolled up my Sleeverinos. You can see I got a lot of those to do some consumer research on this guy, all right? And off the bat, His story is like a movie directed by Citizen Kane. He's the son of two tenured professors at an elite university who goes on to get straight A's at several different elite universities, is earning six figures by the age of 26, how fucking old are you losers, right? Joins the Navy, spends seven months in Afghanistan playing spider solitaire in an air-conditioned office. You guys know spider solitaire. And then the prodigal son returns to the huger state where he gets 8,000 votes to become the neoliberal mayor of his city that his parents elite University is in. We have never before seen an arc like this in politics. I was over the moon. Buttigieg is American meritocracy at work. But then I logged on. Big mistake, all right? First of all, people on the net were calling into question Pete's time working for a certain consulting firm called yep. McKinsey & Company. Now, what is a consulting firm? It's not totally clear, all right? But I think the companies hire McKinsey to help them optimize all their stuff, you know? You know the best practices, your mass layoffs, whatever. <laughs> Random example, uh, Purdue Pharmaceuticals hired McKinsey to help them juice a couple bill out of Oxycontin uh, and then more money producing its addiction treatment drug. Now, what Purdue Pharma did, obviously bad. But what McKinsey did smart business. They just offer friendly advice. They're not responsible for what their clients do. It's like shaking a magic eight ball that tells you to intentionally get a bunch of poor people addicted to drugs, and then for its services, the magic eight ball bills you $600,000. In 2017, McKinsey worked with ICE, right? You guys heard about ICE? McKinsey counseled cuts in spending on food and medical care for detained migrants and helped ICE accelerate the deportation process. But don't go blaming Pete Buttigieg. He didn't do any of that stuff. So what did Pete do at McKinsey? I'm asking you. Guys. Nobody knows. He signed something called an NDA, so he's not allowed to say specifically who his clients were. I'm sure it was something normal, like helping a small-town grocer wear more efficient overalls, right? (laughs) Now, in an interview, Pete claimed he hadn't followed the Purdue Pharma story, which I get it. Sometimes my Wi-Fi is down, too, for like five years. But... Regarding McKinsey collaborating with the Saudi kingdom to do a small genociding, uh, Pete said, quote, many smart, well-intentioned people sometimes view the world in very innocent ways, meaning no harm. You see, consultants are just sweet, innocent buffoons. Just, just a herd of millionaire candides accidentally working with supervillains. And honestly, they're not in the headspace to hear criticism from a bunch of cynical Cindy's, all
3: right?
7: And you got your mayor of South Bend, Indiana, all right? That's a tough job. Got a lot of problems in that city. First problem, a lot of fucking Catholics, all right? Yikes. Why do we let those people vote, all right? They, they already have a guy. They've already got a guy with the big, the, the, the hat, like a turban or whatever, I don't fucking know. But yeah, one-fourth of South Bend is impoverished. One one of the worst racial wealth gaps in the country. Uh, Eviction rate three times the national average. Homelessness, opiates, uh, gentrification. And now, if you read Pete's memoir, Long Way Home, like I did, you won't hear about none of that shit. (laughs) Because what you do hear about is way cooler. All right, (laughs) Wi-Fi enabled smart sewers. Right, (laughs) right. Pete is the data mayor, all right? On a podcast, he referred to South Bend as a corporation whose 100,000 residents are like members of the board. He wants to turn Indiana into, quote, a Silicon Prairie, (laughs) complete with data centers and startups. That's Jobs! That's Jobs, you ignorant cretins! He's going to put Joey Fentanyl in a beanbag chair at a fun office! (laughs) That will have a billiards table! A Wi-Fi-enabled billiards table! (laughs) Pete's mayoral triple-double was handling South Bend's blight. Uh, There were too many empty, shabby houses. Don't worry about why the houses are like that. Please don't ask me after the show. Pete's goal-oriented, right? He set a goal to demolish or repair 1,000 homes in 1,000 days. That's one house per day. (laughs) Now you're probably asking Pete's favorite question, who's going to pay for it? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Pete's answer, the homeowners are going to pay for it. Okay, the city leveled steep fines against often black and brown homeowners pressing them to make repairs or have their homes demolished. right, what? I'm, I'm sorry, it's true. If you can't afford, it's what they say, living in a big city is a luxury good. If you can't afford to live in South Bend, try Brooklyn. right? <laughs> Mayor Pete's Mr. Solutions, Pete Buttigieg. She's running for president. I see you all. You're salivating, right? You want to know his platform, I'll tell you. Values, decency, optimism, bipartisanship, bridging divides, healing the nation, Bold ideas, all right. As the Irish Shay, "Bada Bing." Right. We're gonna do. We're gonna do a lightning round, all right. Chelsea Manning, traitor. Gotta keep her in jail. It's all she knows at this point, right? <laughs> Medicare for all. Yeah, uh, for who want it, which is gonna be nobody. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter uh, Very fine people on both sides Uh, Indigenous people, never heard of him Uh, Wall Street money, yes ma'am Pete got a cool million from the J.P. Morgan CEO Who told Liz Warren to stop vilifying billionaire success Uh, And Warren is not the only candidate who wants more troops Pete wants one million serving by 2026 And if you make him ask twice, mandatory service uh, what else? Uh, if you donate now, you're automatically entered to win a trip to see Hamilton with Pete and Chasten. All expenses paid. That's fucking cool. Go on Twitter right now. Don't look at me. Um, uh, I'm gonna be a little vulnerable up here on stage. That's hot now, right? Being vulnerable. Uh, back when Obama, Barack Obama invented gay marriage. Uh, I wasn't totally sure how I felt about people being gay, you know? I mean, I have a cousin. Like, that's it, I just have a cousin um, I don't know anything about her. She won't talk to me. You got a cousin? Never mind. Sorry, Mulligan, Mulligan. Uh, I wasn't sure about the LGBTQ community myself until someone showed me a photo from Pride, right? And I was moved to see an entire rainbowed parade float for Bank of America. I thought, that's my bank! I trust those people who safeguard all 50 of my dollars. And yes, occasionally charge me a bunch of fees, but they need that money to support the wildly successful Dakota Access Pipeline. That Bank of America float, in a way, It's a lot like Mayor Pete. Scrupulous, (laughs) amoral, (laughs) rich, but gay. I I trust him, all right? You know who else is starting to trust Mayor Pete? We the people, you know? In some of the polls, he is rising in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, Most people just heard about him a month ago. Listen, it's in the bag, all right? Pete's going to be the next president. And I've got the data to prove it. It's my calculator. It's solar-powered. I hope it works in here. All right. We're going to put on our Nate Silver trilbies and do data science. Okay? We're going to break down Pete Buttigieg's appeal. Okay? And I'm quoting current affairs here. Uh, He's from the Rust Belt, so he's authentic, right? But he went to Harvard, so he's not a rube. But he's from a small city, so he's relatable. Uh, But... Uh he's gay so he's got coastal appeal but he's a veteran so his sexuality won't alienate whoosh, 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 rural people. Um All right. All right. All right. I've got Pete's chances here. What is what does it say? Boops. Wow. Wow. Nice try, Bernie bro. Uh uh-uh. uh. Your smears aren't going to work tonight. Mama, don't play, all right? All right, he's got the numbers, folks. He's got numbers everywhere but the so-called black community. Okay, yes, all right. Pete lied about his Douglas plan getting endorsements from prominent black leaders in South Carolina. Then some nosy journalists at The Intercept had to find out that of the plan's 400 signatories, 62% of them were white you got to admit, it's a good trick. Just lie, right? It's smart politics. If all that was such a big deal, how come nobody brought it up in the last debate, huh? Anyway, Pete's people have already said uh, in Elite Cable that um, black Americans are simply too homophobic to accept him, right? Which I guess is more likely than black Americans not trusting a Harvard rich guy who wants to give them an app that solves racism. <laughs> Now, just in case uh, Pete drops out of the race or the CIA recalls him for some reason, uh, I've got a list of surprise candidates who can leap in at the last minute and save the country. All right, Hillary Clinton, duh. Uh, all sixteen Johns from Pod Save America. You just roll them up into one big fucking homunculus. Uh, I got a Sham Wow guy, unless he got me tued. Uh, I got a TEDx playlist. Uh that could just be the president for 48 years uh Barack Obama in a funny disguise. He can pull it off. No one will know the difference. Uh I also I had a little Bub on here uh in the first draft. But yeah, he's in he's in heaven now. He's a lucky guy. Uh, uh and some of you guys know me personally. Uh and you know that I used to run around saying I was a socialist, Ooh, boo, boo, imperialism, Ooh, whoa, whoa, global working class. Uh I was a Bernie Sanders guy. Uh until I saw his Queen's rally with Ocasio Cortez a couple months ago. And in his speech, he told people to look around, right, at all the folks around you and ask yourself, are you willing to fight for your neighbor? When things are difficult, even if you don't need health care or a living wage, will you stick together to build a long term movement? And I asked myself, am I willing to fight for other people?
3: that, right?
8: (laughs)
7: It's too hard. I don't want to knock on doors. Yuck. God, it's true that all the huge left policies that my grandparents are afraid of are actually really popular, but the data shows that the same people who want the big change are sticking with the Bidens and the Buttigiegs because they're worried that the change just isn't possible, right? And it's too hard trying to bring in working people who don't vote Right? Let's stick to triangulating appeal to those moderate Republicans who are sick and tired of getting pretty much everything they want out of the Trump administration. Right? Let's keep ruining those numbers, baby. Alright? We got the calculator. If Pete can get a photo with Colt Cabana and T-Pain, okay? He can get Missouri by... This is memory. Alright? Shut up. I'm doing data like a boss. 1.3%, really big margin of error, okay? That's an advantage. So if you're here tonight, you're the kind of person who clicks on every article about doctors hating someone for knowing a cool life hack, right? If you're on the fence, if you're the kind of person who has a human rights campaign laptop sticker but you're really not sure about all the pronoun stuff or whatever, if you're the kind of person whose life virtually never changes between presidential elections then there is room for you in the Buddha Gang, all right? Donate to this campaign, www.BernieSanders.com. Thanks, guys. The
0: skewer official. Election correspondent Josh Watkins, everybody. This motherfucker has raised the ambient temperature of the stage like 15 degrees. So, you he sent me a bunch of messages being like, Ah, my brain is being liquefied writing this piece. And I'm like, Oh, you. What a joker. Uh, and then, like a couple days ago, he told me that one of, the resor- one of the research sources he was using was fucking the Pete Buttigieg subreddit, and I was like, "Oh no! If you become a Buddha boy, I will black bag you for your own good."
3: <laughs>
0: uh, golly, what a what a fun time we're having at the skewer, right? Is this good? Now, if you're thinking, my goodness, all these fine folks, I just love them so much. What can I do to make their day a little better? Well, you may have noticed that there was a donation bucket on your way in. All that money is going to be split equally among our writers. So if you want to fucking reward people for doing art for you, which you should, uh, you can just pop a couple dollar bills in there. If you don't have any dollar bills, that's fine. It's a free show, but, you know, be, do, do the right thing. Anyway, before the final Part of the show, the debate. We have to. I, unfortunately, we have to endure another hateful round of the news quiz, the quiz that makes Kevin so unhappy. <laughs> uh.
1: gotta be a volunteer, right? Somebody. Just. We gotta bring that temperature back down. One of you two. Fight! 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 fight no! 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 No!
3: All right. All right. That's good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Is it also your birthday?
0: No, unfortunately not.
1: (laughs) Anyway, first story. Five-year-old brings cocaine to class, says it makes him feel like (laughs) 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 Spider-Man. Story two. Three Indiana judges are suspended after a White Castle brawl, leaving two of them wounded.
6: I'm surprised there's only three.
1: Mm. Like, one of those judges made it out okay, though.
6: That's pretty dope. Only 2
1: it? Story three. A bank customer made a large withdrawal and then followed a teller home and gifted them with rent for a year.
7: Well, I don't think people are good. So, uh, <laughs> The third one.
1: You saw through it. <laughs> people aren't good. They're terrible. <laughs> so what, what actually happened, and I'm surprised it doesn't happen all the fucking time, is that bank customer went made a large withdrawal and then that teller followed them home and robbed them
3: <laughs> yeah, like
1: you if know, i, I got to keep that in mind for the next time <laughs> i go in yeah if if i made a school that would be like all you would learn just do that all right second set of stories a traveler requested a diabetic friendly meal west Jet served him leftover halloween candy <laughs> That's all we got, my dude. Story two: North Pole's Christmas in Ice celebration canceled amid a lack of ice. That's sad. Think about that every time you watch them like Coca-Cola commercials and there's like the polar bears and like, <laughs> no, you're they dead. They can't make it cold enough. That's yeah, so they're bad. dead. They're fucking dead. Story three: TSA says it's okay to pack a whole cooked turkey in your carry-on luggage. I assume this is within the liquids room because turkey's dry as hell. <laughs>
6: So TSA's incompetent, so I think three's probably true. though what was the name of the jet company in the first one? WestJet. West it's
1: one word. The J is capitalized.: One of those people.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I have to go with I have to go with two:
1: The Christmas ice, North Pole?: Yeah, that's yeah. the North Pole. Yeah, that's wrong.
3: Ooh.
1: We ain't got ice there.
3: We ain't got enough ice no there. Enough ice.
1: No, you can bring a turkey. You can bring turkey and all the fixings in your carry-on, and it's okay. But not more than 3.4 ounces of liquid. Just so you know. No no oozes. The fake one one is that West Jet. Mm. They did not give him Halloween candy. That would be cruel. They gave him a box of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Did
6: he think it was Irish or something? What's that? (laughs)
1: They were, like, cooked, I guess, but, you know, whatever. All right, your last set of stories. A man in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, created a dating app where he is the only guy allowed. It's like Tinder. You can swipe right to match with them, or you can swipe left to not match with them, and then you get another picture of him. And then it goes all the
6: different disguises. Glasses
1: on, glasses off, coat off, coat on. There's also a button that you can do to... I I don't know. I'm I'm making stuff up now. Now or did anymore. I make that up? Mm.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, second story, BTS boy band uh, members oh, must off. serve in the Korea- South Korean military starting next year. Disappointing an army of fans. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> story three, in addition to uh, you know a Hollywood executive saying that Julia Roberts should play Harriet Tubman, there's right. also another one that said Bryant Gumbel should portray Malcolm X.
6: Oh, You know mm-hmm. Hollywood's pretty bad <laughs>
5: We learned it's, earlier it's that There are no a little, good people
1: It's
6: getting a little mm-hmm. This is the first one again
1: uh, That's man, Greensboro Man oh. Making a dating app you know, For himself and only himself
6: For a tech bro doing that I understand it uh,
1: Are there tech bros in North Carolina?
6: Oh yeah, RTP's down there Research Triangle Park oh, What the f- <laughs>
7: With University of North Carolina and
6: Duke right there?
1: fuck? All right. All right. All right, man, sure, you know. Did your homework. I'm going to have to go with the Hollywood not being that sleazy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So there, there are of course boy band, boy band members in South Korea that gotta go to the military. Got friends in college, <laughs> just before. like Buterjag is gonna make us do. Uh, and, but uh, yeah, so Bryant Gubble, uh Okay, this is from an episode of Chappelle's Show where they said that Paul Mooney, the comedian, said that. Uh, fuck, Wayne Brady makes <laughs> Brian Gubble look like Malcolm X. It's it's. It just popped into my head, and I was like, "I gotta make that a thing." Uh, but you did well. Right. Oh, do you want a drink ticket? I guess you came on stage. Oh, I've already had two too many. All right, you can't have a drink ticket. <laughs> I'm cutting them off. Uh, yes, my friend. I'm cutting them like off. Food. You didn't come up here.
6: I <laughs> have other friends. All right. Thank you. You did it. You. Right. You.
1: Tip your server. Tip your server well. All right. Let's get ready for that debate. Tom, get your ass on this stage, boy.
0: I'm doing it. Thank you, Kevin, once again. The news quiz. It's great. Kevin hates doing it, but we love seeing it. Don't we, folks? Don't we? People are talking about it more and more. All right. So the final segment of the skewer is the skewer debate. Every month has a story so big that one person's perspective isn't enough. We need both perspectives. And you, the audience, decides the victor. Let's get our debaters up to the stage. Our first debater, and this is a line that I did not want to read, but I'm gonna because he asked for it. Our first reader is a tall drink of water and a 5'8 glass. <laughs> He is an actor, improviser, and chef in this city. So if you need to cry, laugh, or eat in any particular order, he's your man. Follow him at Reality's Hypeman on Twitter or at TheAlexMorales.com for bookings. Please welcome Alex Morales to the stage. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it and I'm just like, oh man. Just in front of people, huh? Um, Our second debater, Lindsay Ennett, can be seen reading around Chicago at at shows like Outspoken, You're Being Ridiculous, Story Jam, and this one. And next to you at your favorite bar, skipping over all your songs at the jukebox. Sorry, there was a little pause in there. Uh, she has a weakness for reality competition shows and cries an average of four times during every episode of American Ninja Warrior. That's a, Yeah, no, four? four that, yeah, I like four. Um, but enough about her. Let's talk about you. Uh, I don't know how that... No, actually talk about you. <laughs> Come to the stage. Lindsay
3: Ennett. Hey!
0: It's delightful, we love it. Now folks, the skewer debate, both of these folks have been assigned a topic in advance. They're going to read you five-ish minutes of opening statements they have prepared in advance. I'm gonna come back on stage, ask them questions that are very dumb. They're not gonna know these questions in advance and are gonna do their best. (laughs) Then they're gonna both present one-ish minute of closing statement and you will decide the victor. What is the question that they are going to be debating? Well, I'll tell you this month, Michael Bloomberg announced his candidacy for president, using his massive wealth to attempt to grab control of the country and protect his interests. Fellow billionaire Elon Musk unveiled a weird truck designed designed to protect rich people from riots when the uprisings happen. Clearly the billionaires are afraid. They see our power and are ramping up their defenses. We need to escalate in turn. The question then becomes, what should our next anti-billionaire tactic be? Alex, what are you going to be arguing?
8: We all need to become cyber ronin and master
0: the (laughs) e-katana. Lindsay, Lindsay, what are you going to be uh, arguing for?
9: We should all form symbiotic psychosexual relationships with billionaires where we become their most trusted servant and slip poison into all their meals and eventually they realize we're doing it but are too enthralled with us to make us stop.
0: (laughs) Stunning. Why, they're both so appealing. Only one will win. The opening statements begin now. Who wishes to go first? Uh, Alice is going first, folks.
8: (laughs) None of these microphones are 5'8". I just... (laughs) Christ! (laughs) How's everyone doing tonight? (laughs) Oh, good. Then my job is easy. It's really lovely to be back at the skewer again. Um, Some of you guys might notice that my power level has increased since then because I've been studying the blade. (laughs) Forgive me, Master. I have to go all out. Just this once. Oh. you say is the first tool? <laughs> Me. Uh, but I mean, really, think about it. What, what would you say is the first thing we as people were like, I need something for this that's not these guys? <laughs> A smasher? Flint? No. The original tool in the original caveman language was called the sharp sharp. <laughs> A knife was the first thing humans made. Our destiny as a species was cut from the cloth of ignorance with a knife. It allowed us to skin animals and cover our nakedness. It let us carve soap during particularly long poops. And we would have scarcely survived the Paleolithic era without the ability to make tasteful charcuterie. In a sense, a blade is the original mean of production. And now, we must once again wield our ancestral tool to break the yoke of the 1%. But, it's nearly 2020. What use does the modern world have for tradition? For the tools of our ancestors? Billionaires got one thing right. Putting cyber in front of anything makes it way cooler. I mean, like, consider. Would you rather have a banana or a cyber banana? (laughs) Would you rather go to a comedy show at a bar or a cyber-comedy show at a bar? And wouldn't it have been better if you'd been diagnosed with cyber-depression? Yes. At least that one's real. <laughs> so we must innovate, we, we must adapt, we must overcome. We must reach into our collective past, draw the sacred instrument out of its dusty scabbard. We must wield E-katanas. How do I get an Ikatana, you might ask? How do I reach into, into my past to get a survival mechanism and, and adapt it to help me today? Well, cyber therapy. But in the meantime, the internet, it's like free therapy. You can get anything on YouTube. Which reminds me, did you guys know that there's a conspiracy going on? There are several, they're all related. I'll send you some links. Look, we all know you wouldn't download a car, it, <laughs> but there's no copyright on swords.
3: <laughs> it's just a big knife,
8: <laughs> or a long razor, or a personal guillotine. <laughs> now, nah, that's the beauty of e Each one is different. <laughs> Much like the YouTube algorithms, uh, what the Internet gives you to, to cope with the billionaire threat is unique to you. Uh, each... Each story, pardon me, each has a story, a skill set, a unique wielder. Some might be wholly immaterial. Some might look like a weed grinder. (laughs) Some might look like butter knives in a soup kitchen. Some might look like propellers on an airplane. My blade is the sword of Damocles. My blade is the people's guillotine. That is the the guillotine that the people not. For the, you know, you know. Um, now <laughs> I know what you're thinking, Alex. You seem like a pretty nice guy. You have a French tuck, so clearly you're an ally. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I brunch, and it's not weird. Uh, what you're actually thinking is, I've seen Watchmen. I, I appreciate your your militant leftism, but wearing a mask. It's Just a bit too far, you know it's like one of those antifa people I've been hearing about, and I don't know about them. Fascism's right in the name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, t- to that I say, uh, if you don't like it, why don't you run for president? oh you're you're
3: poor huh.
8: You know what would fix that? Devoting your life to the attunement of your body and soul into an instrument of justice. (laughs) You can't go wrong. You, name an evil samurai. Yeah, see, exactly! (laughs) What my opponent is suggesting, what with the the subterfuge and the long, drawn-out process of getting close to the target, is exactly what ninjas would do. (laughs) The choice presented before you is, is not poison versus the honorable blade. It is ninja versus samurai. Is one blade in the dark better than many swords in a daylight? Well, is solidarity better than assassination? Is community, is honor, is honest, open conflict better than relying on the good graces of billionaires to even allow you to get close enough to strike? If there's one thing the 1% opposes, it's upward mobility. And if it's the other, empathy. But what we can count on is pride. Billionaires truly believe that they earned their money. Even if you could earn, and I did this math, 53 million dollars a year from the time of Christ, literally the year zero, and have no expenses from then until now, and you would still have less money than Bill Gates. (laughs) (laughs) But I put my money where my mouth is. To prove my point, at this point, I would like to formally challenge presidential candidate and newspaper magnate Charles Rubens Bloomberg to an honor bound <laughs> duel at dawn. You know the place, Charlie. I'll be there. Ikatana ready.
9: Um, I would like to thank my opponent for uh, the, the term cyber depression <laughs> for finally giving a name to that thing where I scroll for several hours through Twitter and just let the like wave of fuckery wash over <laughs> me. So, so thank you for, for that. As the decade comes to a close... I find myself thinking about my own evolution and growth as a person in the span of 10 years. I can chart my own path to maturity, primarily through a change in perspective on one issue. That issue being Batman. (laughs) Oh, yes, dear friends, in 2009, I liked my superheroes like I liked my men gritty and joyless. Looking back on it, neither of these things actually gave me pleasure. They were just things I thought I was supposed to like when I was 20 and trying to fit in. He's just a regular guy under all those gadgets, I insisted. He's a reminder anyone can be your hero. I am older and wiser, and relatedly married to a woman, and have, and have more than accepted today's common wisdom about the Batman. Batman is just Elon Musk with less weed and perkier nips. <laughs> He could use his immense inherited wealth to invest in Gotham's underserved communities, having a more sustainable long term impact on public safety, but he chooses not to, instead, using his generational wealth to quite literally punch down. (laughs) Come the revolution, Batman would not be spared. Billionaires know their time is coming. After siphoning resources from multiple generations, saddled with student debt, a burning planet, and thanks to growing up with Disney's Robin Hood, a healthy desire for both radical redistribution of wealth and weird sexy fox love. <laughs> <laughs> we are ready to take them down. We know that billionaires have us outmatched in terms of financial and technological resources and brute firepower. Are we sure that E-Katanas can cut through the hull of Elon Musk's weird truck? (laughs) Batman will probably have an E-Katana-proof suit in the next movie. But you know where we can topple the billionaires? The oldest, most powerful weapons no rich asshole can can resist. Flattery and raw sensuality And that is why we should all form Symbiotic psychosexual relationships With billionaires Where we become their most trusted servant And slip poison into all their meals And eventually they realize we're doing it But are too enthralled with us to make us stop Alfred the butler is played by the dreamy Michael Caine Welcome to the resistance baby Now now This is not a task for the faint of heart. Surely it will take a collective effort to vet those who have the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and righteous bloodlust to take down the world's worst rich people. Someone who can believably combine the lick-spittle veneer of a Waylon Smithers with the pure sexual chaotic energy of real housewife Sonia Morgan. (laughs) Someone who can maintain composure whilst literally and figuratively wiping Warren Buffett's Omaha steak gray ass. <laughs> We are taught that a more just world requires sacrifice, and indeed, the moral trial that comes with being the giver of Jeff Bezos' thrice-daily scalp exfoliations is great. (laughs) Sure, it's not without perks. The company car is a fucking helicopter. The table scraps better than any Whole Foods salad bar, and unlike most Amazon employees, you actually get multiple piss breaks. (laughs) But then you recall that until you finish the deed, in providing comfort to these gross dudes, are you not also complicit? This is a fair criticism of this plan. But also, like, it's the holiday season, the peppermint-scented gladiator bloodbath of capitalism, and I can sense some of you shifting uncomfortably in your seats thinking about all the shit you're going to buy on Amazon. (laughs) If we're going to be complicit anyway, we might as well use our knowledge from decades living under their thumbs and the combined sex appeal of everyone in this room to earn the trust of the plutocrats and then fucking goodbye or all the shit out of them. And if fanfiction has taught me anything, which it has, the people love a slow burn. times may call for urgency, but would my opponent's proposal not also require time to prepare? Studying the blade is not like doing Duolingo for a few minutes while you're bored on the blue line. (laughs) It takes years to perfect, honey, not to mention the trial and error of cyber technology. But no amount of E. Katana swordplay can match the karmic sweetness of watching these wretched men, undeserving of all their advantages, suffer slowly. Would it not tickle you, even the slightest, to watch Jeff Bezos or Peter fucking Teal or the horrid suits that killed Deadspin, sputtering and sweating, perhaps thinking in their last breaths as you, the The person they trusted most stare them down of all the college students rationing insulin for survival of all the children in prison camps at the border their products abetted of the oceans barren of life from their ineptitude for profit and once their bodies have been lugged from their hidden underwater sex dungeons and their assets seize to provide housing and health care for all, and undoing the damage to a dying planet, we will know all along that we were the heroes Gotham needed.
0: That was fun. Time for the Q&A segment. Oh, boy. You ready for some dumb questions? Well, too bad. They're happening. I'm not a monster. I'll wait. Alex, my first question is for you. Cyber Ronin. Well, that's a very broad term. What sort of specializations will there be? And what special moves will they have
8: (laughs) well first off cyber ronin is is actually short for cybernetic ronin mantha Um, (laughs) second of all i assume you've all played overwatch My system would allow all of the cyber... Ronin, yes, thank you, much like Genji, would uh, would allow... Oh, yeah, right, the world could always use more heroes. Um, this is supposed to be anti-capitalist, and I'm just spouting closer. Uh, so it would allow you to double jump, certainly. Uh, you definitely have to be able to wall climb. That's very important. Um, I... I would suggest some sort of swift strike on like a six second cooldown, so it's not super OP. And I, I think that like a good Ronin should be able to just decimate armies of billionaires like robots that they will inevitably send after you. So you need some sort of AOE. Um, but again, it depends on what your E-katana is. I encourage each of you uh, as you join the, the esteemed fraternal order of Cyber Ronin uh, to, to consider what your own area-of-effect attack is. How do you crowd control? (laughs) What is your damage over time?
0: Food for thought. Sure you got me thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, I have a question for you. Oh, no. (laughs) There aren't enough billionaires for us to all get one. (laughs) We share them, and if not, what do us fools without billionaires do to get in on the fun?
9: <laughs> you know, Tom, that is a question I considered while I was uh, while I was writing this, and the answer is everybody can play a role in the vetting process to determine who has, again, the fortitude and the chaotic sex appeal to seduce, like. We're not just you know, there there's gotta be a proper matchmaking process, you know, as as all of these these guys are, are are unique in their their in their grossness and you you need to find the the right the right person for the for the this 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 uh this process and so I, I think we can all play a role whether it's um in a you know Helping with composure maintenance, you know, <laughs> testing their their sex appeal in a like super you know boundaries and consent centric um, um, scenario, of course. And um, yeah, that's that's all I've got. and of course, you know, there are other ways to you know these these two these two strategies aren't the only strategies. You got you got something better, Tom?
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm not on trial here. Listen, listen. I, I've done my time in the debate fucking minds. I've fucking taken my lumps and lost my losses, okay? This is my reprieve. Alex, I have a question for you. What happens? And I shudder to even say this. But what happens if one of our Brothers of the Blade turns evil and becomes a billionaire themselves? We get a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, I have a question for you. Uh, Your your topic, that's just the plot of Phantom Thread. Um... (laughs) It's just literally word for word. How do we make sure that this plan forges new ground that isn't just a retread of the movie?
9: Okay, just just for show of hands, how many people here saw Phantom Thread? Ah, shit. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just—I gotta be honest with with everyone. I think you know part of being persuasive is is candor, and I haven't seen Phantom Threat <laughs> I just—I just thought we were gonna like seduce and fuck up some billionaire like my my frame of reference was the song goodbye earl by the dixie Jigs and i'm going to stick with that i also my like b team joke for that was going to be cell block tango so like yeah that's yeah.
0: i mean to me that sounds convincing that those are multi- those are ways that you can do that shit without being phantom threat <laughs> All righty, you both have answered two questions. I have one question for the both of you. Whomsoever wishes to answer first, approach the microphone at your leisure. My question is thus, the Cybertruck was dumb, but we all know Elon can sink lower. <laughs> What's his next blunder? <laughs>
8: Yeah, you could have. I don't actually know what Elon Musk sounds like, but I'm going to guess. Hello, everyone. It's Elon Musk. Um, I'm happy to announce my my new Rick and Morty-branded Bluetooth-enabled dildo. And you can smoke weed out of it.
9: say he does what like every evil rich dude does and buy a sports team and uh, uses it as a mode for for propaganda much like uh, uh, several dictators and strongmen throughout history the uh, looking looking forward to uh, Palo Alto-Tesla FC next
0: season. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh! Ooh! Ooh, we love it, folks. The Q&A section is over. (laughs) Thank our delightful fucking debaters. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Now. The closing statement's the final chance for them to make their case. Lindsay, you went second in the opening, so you will go first now.
9: Okay, so... I'm. I've sensed a pattern, this is, this is my third time doing this hero debate, and I've sensed a pattern, which is at the end of the day, these are all really a question of reform versus revolution. This is literally a case of working from within the system and bringing it down from the inside, you know, satisfyingly parasitically versus literally eviscerating it from the outside and i think i leave it to the question of of our beloved audience which approach they would prefer and i i don't know if there is a right answer but i do know that I do know that revenge is a, is a dish best, best served with arsenic. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and if anyone like from the FBI is listening to the podcast, this is all a goof. <laughs>
8: <laughs> now, I'm no fool. Who laughed at that? What? <laughs> um... I recognize that the points that I am making, the the, the position I am arguing, is clearly wrapped up in in solo hero bravado. And yes, I I get it. The the suggestion that that someone who spends all of their money on mall ninja shit and then makes plans to defend their idea of justice by assassinating key public targets could be anything other than a left leaning idealist. Well, maybe, but. <laughs> See that's the thing, if I do this on my own, it's vigilantism, it's Batman and that doesn't get you horny anymore. You know what sucks? Lone Samurai. That's westerns. Those suck. Clint Eastwood sucks. You know what's cool? 47 Ronin. Now. I don't wanna trick anyone, but if everyone looks underneath their seats, they'll find cybernetic implants. (laughs) Put them on and meet me at that same location where I'm fighting Michael Bloomberg. I will see you there, all 47 of you Cyber Ronin. Ah, Damn it, I messed up the intonation. That was meant to be the last line, but instead this will be the last point I make!
0: Ooh, ooh, I just can't get enough. Oh, I said ooh, that's because I'm funny, folks. (laughs) I've studied. (laughs) All right, so both of our debaters have made great points, but only one of them can win, and what will they win? Why, whoosh, it's this delightful skewer with a bauble on the end. So named after the very show. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask you for applause. You are going to applaud very loudly for the person you thought won, and applaud medium loudly for the person you thought lost. <laughs> I will need an impartial judge. Damien, will you be the impartial judge? Because you're the per- I generally pick the person who's standing where you are standing.
3: <laughs> I, I I
0: so he will be. <laughs> if you believe that the winner of this debate arguing for us all becoming Cyber Ronin, is Alex Morales. Please applaud now. (laughs) Excellent. If you believe that the winner of this debate arguing that we phantom thread all the guys (laughs) is Lindsay Ennett, please applaud now. Impartial Judge, who was the victor? The victor is Lindsay. The victor is Lindsay. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you to both Lindsay and Alex, our delightful debaters, for their great work tonight. <laughs> and folks, that's all we got for the skewer tonight. Thank you all for being here. When's the next skewer, Erica asks. Well, the answer, usually it's the first Wednesday of every month. But next month, the first Wednesday is the dang New Year's Day. No one's going to come to that. I'm not even going to be around. I'm going to be on vacation. So we're going to skip that. The next skewer is Wednesday, February 5th, 2020, if the world's still around. (laughs) Skewer is also a podcast. If you want to tell all of your absent friends what a dope they were for missing this, you can give them the fucking evidence. Uh, I think that's it. I've been Tom Harrison. Thank y'all. See you later. Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the news of the month that was through hilarious op-eds and silly debate. This particular edition of The Skewer was recorded on December 4th, 2019 at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. Enjoy!